R2C2. Another week. What's good, guys? I feel like I've been looking at your face a lot today, man. <laughs> <laughs> Big Zoom meetings. I'm in CAA's offices, you know, where your wife works. I just, it's, it's a its a big Ruko Sabathia connection day. I love it. How long are you at the offices? Just a couple hours. It's so nice, though. Like, you know, if I need to take a call or do work or whatever, you know, like it's a place to go if I happen to be in the city. So shout out to my lovely uh, agency for hooking it up. Yeah, that's place dope. to be able that's, to do some work. That's dope that you got a spot where you can stop in. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's uh yeah, that's awesome. I would say that's what the major league offices are like to you now, except for you're there all the time, so you're, yeah, it's not dropping anymore. It's kind of like work now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. haven't been there in a while, but I'll get I'll get back. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, we're gonna uh, chat with Devin Haney in a moment, who has a massive. Uh, Fight coming up uh, for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. Devin Haney against Vasily Lomachenko. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed this conversation with Devin. We'll get to him in a moment. But busy time in sports. I have to say, yesterday was one of those days where I had to shut sports radio off. Like every once in a while, I get in my car and I'll put on sports radio because i do still enjoy it even though a lot of times i want to listen to a podcast or music or whatever i do still enjoy Mm -hmm. kind of the finger on the pulse of new york sports you know but just hearing people talk incessantly about something that just was totally like the worst the worst version of what people were worried about with judge in that glance was something that was completely innocuous and i just it blew my mind what was the worst version of it the worst version of it was, oh, he was getting location on where the catcher was setting up. He definitely know? was. And, and if he was, that's fine. Who cares? He, like, but he, he should have said that. Like, You really think he should have said that? He shouldn't have gave a stupid fucking answer where he said, I was trying to tell the guys in the dugout to stop chirping. Who the fuck are you? So, what is this, some fucking Latter-day Saints commercial where you going to tell everybody to <laughs> stop yelling at the fucking umpire? Shut the fuck up. Just say I got caught. They were fucking, the, um, the guy was setting up early. We had an advantage. I got the fucking pitch. I hit a home run. Is what it is. It's not like a fucking Astros cheating scandal and all of that shit. It's on the actual fucking Blue Jays' fault that we were able to, that they were able to get the signs. Him saying that bullshit story about the chirping in the dugout is trash. Like... <laughs> Just fucking say we got the signs. Is what it is. But see, I don't, I don't mind Aaron saying that. Nah, because, the, the answer because, is garbage. I, but I, but I feel like you can't be honest there. Why not? I feel like if you're honest, because because every, it's exactly every, what we saw. Everybody knew what it was. Like everybody that that watches a baseball game knows what the fuck happened. So right. say what happened. But it is I, what it is. I understand, but you know, if you say that, just based on even the way people reacted to him glancing, you know people are going to take that and run with it because nobody has the ability to interpret nuance or understand. Like, you know, if he says like, oh, yeah, you know, we had, we had something. To pitch. And, yeah. and so I was getting location. People are going to say, oh, what else are the Yankees doing? Oh, And it's like, no, you just like did a poor job of hiding uh, your signs to our dugout. And they did they something. Up on it. Something so was something the catcher was doing when the guy was throwing a breaking ball or whatever that the first base coach picked up on. Is what it is. Just say that. Instead of saying yeah. you were you were trying to stop the guys from chirping, that's trash. And I think that's what got but everybody riled up. I think what just, got them riled up. Just is the be fact honest, that the Blue Jays broadcast dove into him glancing. 
You really think, okay, if you were in the dugout then, you think you're going to be honest there and you're going to say, hey, here's what happened, or are you going to try and avoid Me personally, I would have said none of your fucking business. I wouldn't have answered the question. You know how I am. <laughs> so me personally, I would have told him, don't worry about what the fuck I was looking at. But if I was going to answer the question in that situation, I would have answered it honestly, 1,000%. Yeah, okay, all right. I just felt like the thing that, I actually had no problem with what Aaron said, even if even if it's hard for people to buy. I had no problem with it because I didn't think there was anything, there was any good thing for him to say there. And I just thought like the thing that was silly is like it's like if like it's not illegal if people pick up signs because you're not doing a good job of All the protecting time. them. Yeah, who who cares, right? Like that's part of the game. What's not part of the game? Is the stuff the Astros are doing, where they're using technology and a fixed illegal camera, and 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 they're using you know different uh, you know software whatever to algorithmically pick up the the signals behind them. That is not okay. But if if Carlos and we Beltran all know the, we all know the base, difference between that. Though. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And I think yeah. it's, it's been clear in the last five years because of what the Astros have done. So I had no problem with Judge getting the signs for first base. No problem at all. When I saw it, I was like, oh, he's looking at first at the first base coach. No problem. Say that. Like, I had a problem with his answer. That, see, that me. But, but here's my problem. I agree with you. None of us actually have a problem with it. But in the mediums of which this stuff gets discussed, like, people – do end up having a problem. I and think they, I think people had more of a problem with it because of the way he answered the question. I think that's me. You really personally. do? I, I th- do. I, I think that they just like saw a uh, a juicy story and they and they jumped on it, even though ultimately like the grandest repercussions of the story are like, okay, so he got pitch location because his team figured it out because the Blue Jays did a crappy job of protecting it. Like, who cares? You know, like and, well, and I. I and I think if he would have said that in the in the press conference, it wouldn't have been any problem. Like, See, what, like, what can you debate after that? Like, they did a shitty job. We picked up on it. I got the location. You guys suck at fucking hiding, <laughs> hiding the fucking pitches. Is you what make, it is, guys. You, you make a decent point. Like, if you said it like that. Bro, yeah, that, because yeah. that's but, what it is, But guys. can I just say, like, I understand Aaron is in a tough spot there being asked because he doesn't want to say that because he doesn't trust the way it's going to be received. But then you're going to sit here and try to tell me that, like, you're going to captain the guys from the fucking... Yeah. He was trying like, to see who was chirping. Like, and you really believe that? He was trying to see who was chirping. Stop he it, to bro. see who was chirping. It was important to see who was chirping. And, you know and what, what was he going to do from the, from the batter's box to, <laughs> if, if somebody was chirping? I just want to know. Like, what, like, what was Derek Jeter going to do if, I'm, if he's in the batter's box and I'm yelling in the fucking dugout? You really think he's going to say anything to me, Kaz? After the game, he's going to say, hey, see. You really this think so? This isn't the right time for that. Do you really think so, Kaz? I don't know who says something to you. No fucking body. But that's you. I I think you're probably an intimidating nobody person to say something to. Does. If, nobody does. If it's if it's something judge, else, judge. You think judge was going to Guardy telling him to stop banging on the fucking top of the dugout? No, but let me but let me give you something else. Would you have gone if you saw Clint Frazier doing something you didn't like? Would you have gone to him and say, "Hey, clean it up"? I think no. you probably would have. No, you wouldn't have. No. Okay, someone would have, Jorge Posada is not going to Clint Frazier and saying, hey, dude, stop doing that. No. 
Not, not if you, not if Posada's not, not doing that. To not if Flint not Frazier. yelling at the umpire from the dugout. Absolutely fucking not. I've never okay. once had a teammate tell another teammate not to yell at the umpire from the dugout ever. Okay. okay. So that specific example. All right, fair. But I'm going to defend Aaron and just say there's no real good thing you could say there other than the, the truth. The truth. That's the only thing you could say. And then you look like a real boss if you say the, if you tell him the truth. Well, what's really funny is the Blue Jays, an organization that, you know, has done absolutely no winning in recent history whatsoever, has, they get their panties up in a bunch about everything, man. Like, we're going to be really worried about where the coaches are in the third and first base coaches box now? Are you, are you kidding me? There isn't a, there's not a major league team that does not have their first and third base coaches outside that box. No coach stands in that box. None. Now we're going to actually make it something that we're going to bring to the umpire's attention multiple times. Like they're just a, they become kind of a whiny organization. What's the manager of the Blue Jays? Uh, what's his, what's his John name? Schneider. I want to know who he, who he told to shut up fat boy. I want to yeah, know who was the fat, the fat boy. boy. I want to know who that is. Who, who is the fat boy? that shit was hilarious, guys. <laughs> when I tell you, uh, I, was, I watched that shit 50 fucking times, guys. Trying to figure no. out who the fat boy was, but that shit was awesome. That shit was hilarious. Who was guys. the fat boy? <laughs> who was the fat boy, man? Oh my gosh, that was uh, funny. That was funny. But I do think I'm kind of like John Schneider. Chill out, man. Chill out. Like, uh, what man. are we doing? All right, see. So you wanted you wanted Aaron to just be honest and say this is what's happening. I want you to boss up and say this is it is what it is. They got the rival with the Blue Jays. Obvious. It's obvious that they don't like each other. Yeah. So why are you like sugar? It is what it is. Fuck them, <laughs> fuck them. That's how you know how I am, cause yeah. If it's an opponent, I don't give a fuck who it is. Fuck them. There, I will say this: there would be. I again, I'm gonna totally defend Aaron, cause like I get why he wouldn't want to just say that, and I don't think there was any good place for him to go. And so I actually had no problem with his explanation whatsoever. I understand what you're saying, though. See, but I also understand. What you're saying about it would have been a really boss move to be like, hey, they did a crappy job protecting their signs. Like, that's why, you know, that's what happened. We got And location. I hit the shit 900 feet. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you then know? he did it. Then he yeah. did it the next night. So, yeah, you know, exactly. it would have been Which was really perfect, a, by the way, for it anyone who thought he was really enhanced move. by that. It would have been yeah. a real boss move to tell yeah. the truth the first night and then do it again the next night. Without location, yeah. I did think no matter what, it was a boss move that the next night he hit a ball the same exact spot without his eyes glancing anywhere. And it was cool because Troy, our, our Troy Benjamin, our, my good friend and our Yes Network producer, the first replay he showed after the home run was this like zoomed in angle on Judge's eyes, not moving at all, and then just hitting the ball 450 feet to center field in that second game of the series. So I did like that. Do you have any strong feeling after game one of the Western Conference Finals of who you think is going to win that series, Denver or L.A.? Man, I think I, – I just think that the, that the Lakers are in trouble because that is as good as you're going to see Anthony Davis play, right? And it didn't fucking matter because, you know what I'm saying? Like, he had 40, went off and did all this shit, and they still – I mean, they got blew out in the first half, and it was kind of reason why they lost the game. They were right there at the end, but – I just don't see a way for them to out physical. I mean, the, the Nuggets are as big as them. You know what I mean? Like they have everything the Lakers have. So I just feel like with the with the Nuggets being a complete team, I feel like they'll win this series. 
Jokic is so good, man. He's so fucking good, guys. <laughs> so good. And I'm glad that like there was a weird narrative going around during the regular season about like, oh yeah, he's just been a great regular season player and yada yada his numbers. And it's like, hold on a second. Have you seen this guy's postseason numbers? He has the second greatest scoring increase from regular season to playoffs on career averages in NBA history. Only Jamal Murray has a bigger regular season to playoff, to playoff. career scoring average. Yeah. And if you look at Jokic's numbers in these playoffs, this guy's averaging like a 30-point triple-double. He's been, <laughs> he's been Man, ridiculous. I was with Dylan Batantis yesterday. We were watching uh, Severino made, his, made a rehab start yesterday um, in Somerset for the Patriots. And we and we were and I was we had just got to the game and we were uh, put the game on and uh, we had just got to the, got done with the baseball game put the game on and he goes Jokic got a triple double and I'm like the game started five fucking minutes ago like how the fuck this guy already got a triple double because like he's so good and just <laughs> everywhere all the time like it's unbelievable and even I mean you would think that Anthony Davis would have an advantage over him right like just yeah. being you know. A, a lot more uh, athletic than him, but like they had to take Anthony Davis off of him. Like not until they put Rui Hachimura on on Jokic did they actually start stop, getting some stops on defense. So it, I mean, and he beats everybody up and down the floor, guys. It's crazy. It's, it's so crazy, much fun man. to watch him uh, do his thing on on the level that he does it on, man. Like the MVP level with that body and like you know the way he looks is awesome. It's awesome, man. He he's awesome. He's awesome. And I, I kind of I you know, I Denver struggles some on the road, so I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up a two two series. Um and then we're we're talking about a swing game five back in Denver. But the Nuggets are the best team. They are they are the best team. Um they I, I think they'll win this series. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers won, but yeah. like one thing people forgot about like the last couple of playoff failures for the Nuggets is they were they didn't have their second best player you know and in some postseasons they didn't have their third or fourth best players too so Jokic finally has a full complement of guys to work with uh they did a really good job in the offseason of bringing in some more defensive versatility and and shooting with KCP and Bruce Brown who's been great in the playoffs yeah um and even drafting Christian Brown who's a part of their playoff rotation so they've got They've got a they've got a good enough team to to make this happen, and they've got the best player in the NBA in Nikola Jokic. I think anybody who was on the Embiid train, like I don't know how you stay on when you look at how much worse he's been in the playoffs compared to the regular season in his NBA career, and how much better Jokic has been in the playoffs compared to his already gaudy numbers in the regular season. I know I'm gonna get killed for this, but I was never on the Embiid train. I've never been on the Embiid train, cuz like ever. You know that about me, but I've just never. I don't know. I, yeah, I've, I've never bought into like, I don't know. I just I don't I don't see it with him. I mean, obviously he had a great year this year, won the MVP, but I don't know. He's just, he's just not a, he's just not my guy. Well, can I tell you one thing that bothers the heck out of me? The lack of accountability when losing in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like for me to listen to Joel Embiid talk about like, oh, you can't do it yourself. Hey, dude, you played horribly in games five and in games uh, six and six seven. And seven. Yeah, you were awful. Like. I'm sorry, but in basketball, the greatest players, they mean a lot to winning and losing. So, like, yeah, should LeBron James, after Kyrie and Kevin Love go down and they lose in six to the Warriors, should should he sit up there 
and have to be like, it's on me. Like, no, I don't even remember what he said. He might have said it was on him. But, like, obviously in that case, it wasn't on him, right? His team was decimated by injuries. But normally, the best player has a lot to do with winning and losing. If you score 55 points and the rest of the team shoots like crap, and you want to and you want to say like you know hey you know it was a little tough okay like i don't love that but but when you play poorly the way mb did and then you don't take accountability that was a real turnoff for me man it was he was like yeah me and james can't win alone well you can't win shit with you scoring the way you did the last the game 6 and 7 you know what i'm saying like <laughs> It, like you, you, you won't fucking make it out of in the out of the play in next year if you fucking play like that. So, yeah, I mean the, the lack of accountability, but just I don't know. Just I, I, I don't. I, I hate to say I just don't like him as a hooper. I yeah, I, it is what I, it is. I, I usually love watching him and his dominance, but uh, he was he was disappointing both on the floor and and off it afterwards in games six and seven. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens with uh, Celtics Heat. All right. See, we get to chat this week with Devin Haney, uh, who is an incredible, incredible young boxer. Um, and uh, he's going to be fighting Lomachenko in the undisputed lightweight championship of the world in Vegas this weekend. He's putting up his belts against Lomachenko, a fight he's wanted for a long time. They're finally having this year. Should be an incredible fight. And it's funny, we kind of start the conversation with Devin and I trying to remember if we had worked together on DAZN once. I've covered his fights, and then I started to think, wait a second, I feel like I've worked with him before, and uh, and Devin aided us uh, in getting to the bottom of that. So without further ado, here is uh, one of the best young boxers uh, in the world, an undisputed champion, and that is Devin Haney joining us on R2C2. See, we really have to figure something out right off the bat here with Devin Haney, the undefeated, unified, lightweight champion of the world. Because Devin, I, I broadcasted a couple of his flights, of his fights early in his career on DAZN, and I remember he did some work for us. And then Devin and I were just figuring out we may have worked together. <laughs> I. I I, it apparently wasn't a memorable experience for either of us, Devin. I don't know. <laughs> no, now that I'm thinking about it, you 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 weren't bald at that time, were you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Yes, <laughs> you're right. You look like a completely different human, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How funny is that? You're right, Devin. You are a hundred percent right. I wasn't bald at that time. <laughs> that is 100% right, man. Yeah, because I was trying to figure it out because we did Jake Paul. Was it his first fight? Was that his first, that his first fight in the zone, I want to say, yeah. Yeah, it was in Miami right before Super Bowl mm -hmm, in, 20, mm -hmm. in February 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. crazy. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, so Devin and I are just all broadcasting partners, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um. Devin, uh, you have you've you've had an incredible start to your career. Um, obviously, you have a huge fight coming up, but as you as you kind of um, have gotten to this place of accomplishment of things that were projected for you, mm -hmm. is this something that you always had conviction in knowing you could do? Obviously, you were projected to be this outstanding boxer. 
but were there moments of self-doubt at all on this journey? Or have you known all along, like, no, this is where I'm headed. I'm going to be a world champion. I'm going to be a unified champion. I'm going to be one of the best pound-for-pound boxers in the world. Yeah, no, I, I knew that I would be here one day. Um, everything, you know, happened so fast. And, you know, it feels like fast, but, you know, it's been a long time coming. Um, but I always knew I would be in this position. Uh, it was only a matter of time. When you think about the beginning of your journey and getting into boxing, what are your first memories? Um, Man, my dad taking me to the gym at a young age seven, eight years old, um, me just, you know, at first I really didn't like, like boxing like that. I didn't really like, like, I always liked to fight, but I didn't like the, 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 the hard work it came with. I was, I was a football player. I always, I used to like to play football and it was a team sport. So it was, you know, it was more fun for, for, for kids. But just over time, I just, you know, fell in love with the, with, with the fight game. Now you and your pops have a, have a real close relationship, right? And mm-hmm. how how is that um you know how is that like dynamic played out? I mean I had to, the my me and my dad were really close when I was young. He was my coach growing up, and then mm-hmm. he he you know we kind of my parents split up and we got separated. But having that dynamic for you all the way through, how has that been? Oh man, it's been a blessing. Um, you know my dad was the first person that took me to the gym. Um, and now he's my coach. You know he's coached me in you know the the, the biggest fights in, in in the world. So it's a blessing that you know he's been here along this journey every step of the way and uh, i wouldn't want it any other way Mm. what when you are when you're in the middle of a fight what's the most common if there's one thing your dad always tries to remind you of what is it um i don't know because my dad be on me about so many different things i can't (laughs) say i can't pinpoint i can't pinpoint just one specific thing um you know, obviously, my jab. He wants me to, you know, work my jab. Um, defense is is most most important to him. You know, being defensively, you know, sound and you know, listening to my defense and and and, and that. Um, so I would say those are the two main things. I know, you know, one of the guys who um, you have learned from is Floyd, right? Who was incredibly, you know proficient when it comes to the defensive aspect of boxing. Obviously, he's a, a million uh, different superlatives when it comes to boxing, but that was something he he obviously was known for. And correct me if I'm wrong, though, Devin, but didn't he talk to you about if you want to have a long career in this sport, you got to be able to avoid getting hit? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, that's something that, that, that he told me um, early in my career that, you know, if you want to have longevity in the sport – you know, you want you got to take as less punishment as possible, and uh, that always stuck with me. Um, you know, I, I, I always, you know, I, I live by that. And um, yeah, when was the first time you got a chance to connect with Floyd? Because I know you grew up in the Bay, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm from the Bay. Um, I moved to Vegas at a, at a young age, but we we've been back and forth, back and forth since then. Um, but uh, when I first met Floyd, I want to say I was like maybe. Nine, ten years old. Nine, ten. Yeah. Okay. So, do you you still claim the bay? So you you still course, claim us? Of course. Okay. Of course. Okay. I just, I, just, I just came from the bay yesterday. Uh, right. Yeah. No. Nah, no. Nah, nah. Of course, I got that Bay Area blood in me. My mama. My mom lives from lives in San Francisco. She lived in the city. 
still um, a lot of family still there. So uh, I'm always back and forth to between here and the Bay. Uh, that's Bay. good. That's good to hear. I, I know you're from the Bay too. I'm from Vallejo. Okay. Okay. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so, Devin, when you meet Floyd early on, is it a feeling of, hey, I want to. I want to impress. I want to impress Floyd Mayweather. I want to get on his radar. Is it a feeling of I'm nervous to talk to him? Is it a hey, I belong? Even as maybe as a young kid, like these are the kind of people I belong talking with. You know, champion boxers. What, what are those early interactions like that you had with Floyd? Yeah, I mean, when I when when I met Floyd, that I was like starstruck. I couldn't believe it. Like he was, he was, he. I wouldn't say he was the first celebrity I met because I had met E40 before that, but he was the second. <laughs> he, he, he was the second one, so it was like. You know, it was new to me, I, and I was watching him train, and I just was watching his whole mannerism, and I was just studying studying him at uh, at a young age, and you know, I was just like nervous to even take a picture with him. And now here he is, a, a mentor for you. Pretty cool. What, Devin? I I want to take you. We're going a little all over the map, but you had an a you had an enormous fight in Australia. Um, yeah. My uh, my buddy actually. Uh, broadcast for DAZN, Justin Shackle, and he broadcasted that fight. He said it was the coolest sports atmosphere he has ever been in. Um, yeah. Be, and correct me if anything I say is wrong here, Devin, but because of a rematch clause, uh, you had to go fight that fight in Australia, mm -hmm. uh, George Combosis' hometown, home area. And so you were you had 45,000 people, and almost the entire crowd is rooting against you, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. Everything you said was correct. Um, you know, I had to go uh, in his, you know, home country uh, against forty-five thousand of, of, of his fans, his people uh, rooting against me, booing me, uh, but cheering him on. Um, but it was, you know, what I wanted to do to prove myself and to, you know, become an undisputed champion. Yeah, and you did. What when you're dealing with an atmosphere like that, man? How does that affect what you're doing in the ring compared to say if you're boxing in front of a split crowd or a crowd that favors you? Yeah, I mean, I just I always felt like wherever I was at, you know, the ring was my home. So it didn't matter if it was a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, million, million of his fans. Um, when we stepped into that ring, uh, I was going to prove that I was a better fighter. So uh, it was a crazy atmosphere to 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 be there. But when we when you know, when we got in that square circle and it was the bell rung, uh, it was nobody that, that, that could fight for him. And, and nobody that could fight for him, and then you got 45,000 people that's shutting the fuck up. Exactly. And that was the main goal, is to, you know, take the crowd out of the fight. Um, of course, they, you know, they were trying to be as loud as possible and trying to, you know, you know, get, get him, you know, motivate him and get him riled up, but, um, my goal was to go in there and was to silence them. And that's what I did. Mm. Yes, you certainly did. Um, when you think about your toughest challenges to this point, would that be number one fighting in that atmosphere or is there something else? Yeah, I would say I would say that was number one. Um, yes. As far as speaking, not because the actual fight, but just the, 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 the fearing of the, the unknown. You don't know what to expect, you know, going over there. Uh, you you didn't you didn't know how it would be you didn't know at, at in the beginning my dad wasn't able to come he was, he came the day before the fight so I was training there for you know three weeks without my dad wow. um, where I, I, a lot of my team uh, wasn't able to make it and it was just the, the fear of the unknown 
But once we got into the fight, the fight was easy. Was everything yeah. like leading up to it good though? Like the working out, the three weeks working out, was there any like hiccups with that or like was uh, it was it fine once you got over there? Yeah, for the most part it was fine once once we got over there. It was a few like, you know, hiccups with the with, with like the living situation and you know, she's not knowing, you know, a, a lot of stuff. You you don't even like know what's you know, you you can't trust right. anything cuz you just don't you just don't know. But um the, the after after we got over the you know the first few days or week or so we 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 set in and we got comfortable and then the second time was even better it was like it was like we were fighting at home we, we we knew everything we knew what to expect uh it really wasn't much nerves going into it you have to do something that c and i are glad we don't and that's make weight on any given day <laughs> And uh, I, one of the things that fascinates me and just covering boxing for a couple of years, like I did, Devin, is how you guys, you know, to the like, I don't know what the actual uh, weight, weight term is, but like, let's just say, I'm going to say milliliter. Like you guys are so aware of if you're slightly overweight or, or slightly below, yeah. it's mm -hmm. amazing how in tune with your body you are. My question to you is, what is something that you eat and know instantly you're gonna blow up? Like, what's something that like, you know, like if I have this, like it's just gonna, it's gonna hit me with like two pounds on the scale instantly or whatever <laughs> it might be. <sighs> um, I can't say exactly one thing. I mean, anything that my chef doesn't like want me to eat, allow me to eat, whatever he doesn't make, then um, it's, I know that it's, it's, it's it's not good for me. So um, I try to you know stick to eating things that he that he makes for me and my my nutrition what 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 he, what they put together. And uh, yeah, I try to stick to that because I know anything else out of that is not good. It's certain cities I land in and I gain fucking fifteen pounds. Like I I land in <laughs> if I land in New Orleans, I'm already fifteen pounds heavier before I get off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, along the same lines, Devin. What is you you win a big fight, all right? Let's say you t you take out Lomachenko on May twentieth. What's the what's the first thing you want to eat afterwards to celebrate? Oh man, I want some. I when I'm in training camp, I crave like steak. Like, yeah, I want to have steak. Um, like a lot of like pasta, carbs, stuff like that. Stuff I can't really eat in camp. Um, pizza, of course. Um, man, the list I. You'd be here for an hour if I told you all this. So, like one a.m., let's call it the morning of May twenty-first. This is what you're, you're hammering all that stuff. You're just going down the list. Yeah, yeah. I, I tend, I tend to get like some steak and uh, like a dessert. Nice, nice. I, how how, how long is the camp leading up to the fight? Uh, eight, eight to ten weeks. Oh shit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in it, man. Yeah. You are. You're in the middle of it right now. What's it? What's a typical, not to make the whole podcast about food, but I find this stuff intriguing and I think our audience will yeah. as well. What is a typical day's diet for you right now as you're preparing for this fight? Um, it depends on, on what day it is. Um, like say on a sparring day, we, we wake up, we eat like oatmeal, berries. Um, then we come, come home from the gym. We'll probably eat, have some type of fish with uh, some veggies. Um, 
my chef right now, he he would be going crazy if he heard because it's way more. To, it's way more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. more basic stuff. Because um, every day it just changes. I got. I, I I generally feel like I. You know, I got one of the best, the best chefs and nutritionists in the world. So he 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 makes the the best the the, the best. He makes the best he he can, and uh, as a nutritionist with as well. I feel like you've experienced it too. See, having a private chef has got to be awesome. Oh, it's the best. It is yes, like sure. I mean, it's it's good, especially when you was like like when I played, I was fat, so I could eat whatever I want. You know what I'm saying? Like now that I'm trying to get in or getting in better shape, it's good to have it like meal prep, have a nutritionist. But when you're a, like a fat athlete and you have a chef, like they can make whatever you want. So it's like it's like having an in home buffet. <laughs> so, so, so when you so when you were playing, you you ate whatever you wanted. Yeah, when I was playing, I would I would pitch it like anywhere from like three fifteen to three thirty, mm-hmm. just because I was used to that. Like I was I was almost like an offensive lineman, and I yeah. trained like an offensive lineman, so I needed all the calories. And it, I used to always say like mass equals gas. The bigger I was, the harder I can throw. So and when wow. when I retired, I didn't want to live like that. You know what I'm saying? Us being black men and the heart issues yeah. and all of that stuff, I wanted to, to get down, slim down. So now I'm anywhere from like two sixty five to two seventy. Oh wow! Okay, that's yeah. crazy that, that you less than when you were actually uh, playing. I'm in way better shape now than when I was actually <laughs> playing. <laughs> so, 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 if, how could you pitch now compared to? Obviously, you're not in your prime anymore. But how could you pitch now compared to when you were playing? Man, so I, I got down. I actually got down in 2013. I got down to 268. I came in like had a great off season. Worked out hard. I was eating right, and I felt strong. I felt great, uh, and I, I was usually like I would throw anywhere from like ninety two to ninety five. Mm-hmm. I got on the mound that spring training. I was throwing the ball eighty three miles an hour, <laughs> like just nothing behind it. Like I felt weak on the mound. I felt strong in the gym, but weak on the mound, and I didn't like wow. I couldn't find my body in space. Like I was just used to being big, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? So I'm falling all over the mound and doing all kind of shit, and, and it's coming out, and it was eighty three. So they was like, yeah, you need to put on like 30, 40 more pounds. And they stopped messing with me on my weight after that. Yep. You started eating, okay. For sure. Yep. Mass yep. equals gas. Mass equals gas. But, <laughs> For sure. Oh, bless you. Yeah. God bless you. But I, but I was the same way. I always had to weigh in spring training. I had to be, they wanted me under 305. And I did all these crazy diets, lemonade diets, all this different stuff. And mm-hmm. every time, but like my rehydration, I would get back up. Like I would, I would weigh in at like 295. And then by the next day, I would be like 320. Cause I go to Taco Bell, <laughs> Wendy's, fucking McDonald's, everything, like uh, right back. <laughs> I know. I love that your celebration meal is is Taco uh, is Taco Bell, Wendy's, all this stuff. His and Devin's is steak and maybe a dessert. No wonder he, no wonder Devin stays in such great shape all year yeah. long. <laughs> Devin, how about this fight in particular? I know. It took a while for Lomachenko to come around and and you know take this fight. Mm-hmm. What is what is getting to fight him, and what does this opportunity represent for you? Yeah, I mean this is this is a, a huge opportunity for me. It's been a fight that I've been wanting for you know three four years now. Uh, I've been calling for this fight for a long time, and um, you know when 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 Loma had the belts, he didn't he he didn't want to fight me. He, he he chose to go another direction, but I genuinely know that I'm a better fighter, uh, and 
I told him then that, you know, fight me now because it will only get worse and worse. And, you know, he chose to fight me now. So I'm going to show him how worse it, it, it got. Wow. Yeah. That's confident. I, and you are the unified lightweight champion now. We also know now this, um, the result of this fight, the audience will know when they listen because of when this recording is actually being released. But another big fight for some of these young fighters around your weight class, obviously with Tank and with Ryan Garcia. Looking at those two guys, looking at Shakur Stevenson, looking at yourself, how, what does this moment in boxing feel like for you guys, for young fighters? Like how much of a thirst is there for you all to fight each other, knowing that sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes the sport gets in the way, promotional aspects get in the way, but knowing that there's a lot of intrigue to see all of you guys, you know, get a crack at each other. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's good for boxing. You know, we are the, we are all so young, but you know, we are the, the, the top guys is I think the lightweight division is the best division in boxing. But uh, we all have to fight each other, in which we are. You know, Tank and Ryan is fighting each other. Me and Loma's fighting each other. One time, one day, Loma, uh, Shakur will, will will get in the mix. And uh, you know, it's we got a long career of, of of fights to make between each other. And it's even got more guys coming up uh, that that that'll enter the mix. But man, uh, it's it's a good time for boxing. Man, that's why I'm, it's, it's so exciting as a boxing fan. That you guys are all making these fights, you know, you and Loma and you know Ryan and 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 Tank. I'm actually headed out to that fight. Like I'm, I'm excited. This is the first time that we get to see young, good fighters in their prime choosing to fight each other. You know what I'm saying? At, at a time, like I feel like it's really gonna bring boxing back. You guys are like the faces of boxing right now. You're right. The light, the light heavyweight is is the best division in boxing. It's the best fighters right now. So it's it's really cool to see you guys making a concerted effort to, like, bring the sport back. Yes, I agree. We look, we look at guys like Earl and Crawford, you know, they could they should have fought, you know, a long time ago. I'm not saying that it's not a great fight. It's still a big fight. But just imagine they would have fought, you know, uh, a few years ago mm -hmm. or even, you know, a year ago. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. When you, Devin, when you're in that situation and you're like, hey, I'm a competitor, I want to fight the best, how many conversations, and I know it's different for each boxer, but how many conversations go into convincing the team around you that this is a good idea, that no, we don't need to be so protective of being undefeated or whatever it might be. We need to fight the best fighters. No, I mean, it's it's, it's not really even a conversation. Um, you know, it's, it's it's something that my team knows that, you know, I, I want to I dare to be great. I want to show the world how great I really am. And uh, that I, I am the best fighter in the world. My team knows what what type of fighter I am, who I am, who I am. And uh, so it's not really much convincing or anything like that. It's it's you know we're we're calling for these guys uh, because we know. Man, as a boxing fan, I thank you for that. You and your team, because <laughs> I mean it, it, we've it's been a long time coming, waiting for you know some some good young fighters to, to willing to fight each other. Hundred percent. Is there a fight in mind you want to take immediately following uh, this one, if all goes as you want it to go? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a lot of big fights that, that I would love to take uh, after this one. But my main focus right now is, is is this one because I cannot get to those fights if I don't you know, win this one. I got to be victorious. And I don't only really want to be victorious. I want to, 
to really be dominant and really, you know, uh, oppose my will on, on Loma and, and, and show the world how great I am. So uh, my main focus is doing that. And then after that, we'll, we'll, we'll see what's next. When you're away from boxing, Devin, what kind of things do you like to do? I like to shop. I like to, I'm very into fashion. I like to travel. Um, I mean, a lot of, a lot of things. Where's your favorite place you've traveled? Favorite place. Um, I like, uh, Mykonos, Greece. Um, I like Dubai. Nice. Um, I've never been to Dubai. I I hear good things. Yeah. Yeah. I would say those are my two favorite. Have you been uh, on African safari yet? No. Make that trip if you can. That's fun. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah, I've been looking for for new places to travel. Um, I love traveling. I love going to, you know, just different different sceneries, different places, different atmospheres, and uh, yeah. Check out Africa. Africa's dope. Now, your nickname, the Dream. When did you get it? Um, that was that was a name that was given to me when I was young when I first started boxing. Why? I don't know. Just someone <laughs> in my family just was like, "Oh, you 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 should be the dream. Like you're the dream." And I just I just liked it, and uh, I just stuck with it. So people around you, do they call you Dream or do they call you Devin? They call me Champ. yeah that's right as they should all right so we got may 20th you against lomachenko cannot wait for this fight it's going to be outstanding uh devin thank you for uh giving us all this time today uh, thanks for being my broadcast partner. I know it was an incredible experience for both of us back in the, <laughs> back when you had hair. <laughs> yeah, back when I had hair. Back when I had hair. Back when Jake Paul was just starting his journey. Um, and uh, and we're looking forward to watching, man. Good luck. Go get him. And hopefully we'll talk to you again uh, on the other side as as uh, a thirty and zero boxer. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Take Good care, luck, Devin. Well, see, to bring it back to the beginning of the conversation, I'm glad that Devin remembered that we worked together because uh, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I think you threw him off being bald. It was it was the hair. He's like, wait, wait, you had hair before. <laughs> that was Man. funny. Oh, that was really funny. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. Make sure you're following us on every uh, platform you get your podcast. We have some great, great guests coming up. Uh, make sure you're downloading, rating, reviewing, subscribing. See, we'll do it again next week, man. Peace. Peace.